Hi, everybody. It is time for lunch therapy. Great to see everybody today. Uh, we are having Interview Friday, of course. It's a very special Interview Friday. We have our guest, Sally Mullins, who is a regular at the Comedy Store here in Hollywood. She hosts the show D's Nuts. You're going to find out much more about her. She has a, an Amazon show called Sleazy Does It, which is going to be – it's on Amazon now. You can go in there and watch it. It's a solo comedy show. And I think you'll love it. She's also been seen on uh, David Spade's show recently. Um, but first, before we get into the interview, it's time for breathing. We do three breaths on this show. This is not necessarily a quarantine comedy show. This is just a comedy show that happens during the lockdown. And um, so, you know, we like to de-stress a little bit. And so... Let's take in a breath and hold it. And let it out. Take in another breath. Hold it. Let it out. One more time. So yeah, so we have a daily show at noon on weekdays. On Fridays, we do interviews. Like I said, it's not a quarantine comedy show. If you want to see that, go to Tom Kearney's Quarantine Comedy Hour. Uh, you'll see it. Well, it's not an hour. But anyway, it's Tom Kearney's Quarantine Comedy. I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes on YouTube. And today we're blasting out to YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And if you're on YouTube or Facebook, you can join in with comments. And hopefully Sally will be here uh, with the comments as well. But we're going to interview her, her here on the show. And without further ado, my interview with Sally Mullins. Okay, here we are, as promised, Sally Mullins, here on Lunch Therapy. Uh, she's done our show Laugh Therapy before, which is uh, something that we were doing at uh, Trencher before everything closed down. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've invited her today to uh, be our interview Friday. Great to see you, Sally. Thank you. Great our to be here. <laughs> yeah, I like your, uh, your kind of... Um, Asian influence that you have there in the background. Oh, yeah. Oh, so are in, you talking about my green card husband? He's at work right now. Is he? Oh. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. All right, Sally. So um, I just want to get right into it. I, I know Sally from uh, the Comedy Store originally. She uh, hosts the very famous D's Nuts show that happens there, um, among other things. Uh, 
first of all, I got that question for you. What is D's nuts? I've done that show many times. I have no idea what D's nuts is. Do you know? Um, I, I know it's Vargas named it after. Yeah, it's, it's uh, something that I think I'm like too white to know about, but I just oh, always I went with. Yeah, I went with That it. might be yeah. my problem too. That might be my yeah, problem. Yeah, you know. I have, I have sometimes, well, maybe it's just there, but we're a bunch of nuts and a mixed bag of nuts. I don't know. It's something. I think I it's really like something it's already. Another, yeah. I think it's from another show. In fact, on Sherman way, there was like a barber shop a few years ago. It might still be there and it was called D's cuts. And oh. so there's kind of, it's like uh, a thing. Know, it was like a play on it. It's a total it's thing. A thing. If anybody yeah. in the chat room knows, please let us know. Uh, Cause we need to be informed. Um, also, uh, so I, I, so I know Sally from there. I know Sally from, you know, just, she's a comedian just around town all the time. And of course she has her new show, uh, which is called sleazy does it. And it's on Amazon. It's available on Amazon, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I saw the first live taping of it. It's hilarious. And I think you guys will be really, uh, will really enjoy it. So I invite you to go there and uh, watch it. Uh, you will be surprised, enlightened, informed, uh, probably inspired uh, because you'll laugh a lot. You'll laugh a lot. And you'll be shocked. I know I was shocked. Um, freaked so out. <laughs> freaked out. You will be questioning your existence. Uh, but definitely, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen when you go there. Uh, so, yeah, so check that out. Check that show out. Now, because I know Sally just from the comedy circuit and I know her around town, we didn't grow up together. A lot of times I interview people on this show that I grew up with. So, and we talk about like when we were kids and stuff like that. That's like one of the things that we do. And I understand that you're from England. Did you, you were mm -hmm. born in England? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So when did you, how long were you there? I lived there till I was nine. And then I moved to Florida when I was nine. It was like 1978 almost when I moved to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Florida. And, and so what were you doing in England? What was your, your family was from there? Yeah. Yeah. My, we were working there. My dad, uh, he was a reporter. He, he, he was still a reporter in Florida. He got recruited by the U S papers, the tabloids, and we moved over there as a family and moved to South Florida, a real nice house right by the beach, big transition from Northern England to Southern Florida in the summer. In the summer in Florida. I mean, I remember, yeah, getting off the plane at Miami airport and just being like, is the earth on fire? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to go to Pittsburgh when I was a kid and I grew up in Seattle. So it yeah. was like really cool and, and, you know, very, very mild temperatures. And then we'd go to Pittsburgh in the summer. And I was li literally the first time I got out of the plane when I was kind of old enough to talk, I was like, what is going on here? It's like a, like yeah. a sauna. What's yeah. happening? Is there some kind of problem? And they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It was yeah. Florida like that? Is Florida really humid? Oh, yeah. Florida is super humid. And there's nothing like that in Northern England to prepare you for it. I mean, I remember being a kid in Northern England and being like, I don't want to sit on the toilet seat because it's so freezing. Yeah. Kind of vibe. You know, like yeah. very, uh, you know, rural. I was from like a very rural hills the Pennines, like Wuthering Heights, and yeah. South Florida. Yeah, I mean, the humidity factor is super high, but I liked it. But it was the 70s, and they gave yeah. you salt pills. Like, you took these big, chunky oh. salt pills that yeah. are like, you know how vitamin Cs are now? You can yeah. suck on them. It was yeah, I, that was kind of like a, a theme. 
back then uh-huh. that you could, you know, that you could t- take salt pills and somehow it was going to make you, make you better. And I, I think we, and on, uh, on the football field, a lot of football players would take salt yes. pills. When I was on the yes. football team, they wouldn't even let us drink water the entire practice, which seems like, a, like, like they were torturing us. At the very end, you could drink water. But it was like, by then you were just like a, a crazed fiend. And I think I that was just kind of a normal thing. That. Yeah. You like, played football? You're yeah. like so slim. What did you play? Uh, I was a lineman. I was a big, kind of a big kid. Yeah. Oh my they called God. us the okay. hogs. Yeah. So I was a lineman and I played football and yeah, when we would just, I don't know, they were trying to torture us or something like that. Did you play sports? Uh, no. I am not good at sports. I'm good at keeping in shape by myself. What do you do to keep yourself in shape? Because obviously you're in great shape. Mm, I'm all right. Running and yoga. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I like running, but like long distance running. I'm not fast, but uh, yoga, I'm not good at it, but I'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) Did you, so are you one of those like spiritual people that's like does a lot of yoga and does a lot of meditation and that kind of stuff? No. No, Not that person. Uh, no, I don't meditate. I should. I do like. Uh, I also do like a little like cardio breathing, especially now like boot camp stuff to work on my breathing because that I find gives me endurance. On our but, show, yeah. lunch therapy, we breathe. We take in three deep breaths at the beginning of the show. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah, because it makes you feel a hell of a lot better i'll tell you oh yeah i just got into like the fact that my lung capacity expanding it is making me stronger and i can do more push-ups and i can run longer yeah Mm -hmm. i'm all about that life um so you moved to los angeles at the the particular time or did you go someplace else after after florida no i grew up in florida i went to college in florida and i moved to la exactly like pretty much exactly 25 years ago Wow. So, so I was, uh, I was like late twenties. Um, and I moved to just, I wanted to move and I wanted to do more in entertainment. And I had a big background in entertainment in Florida. I had a strong theater background, movies, commercials, but a lot of theater and ran a theater company. And, uh, I was ready to, you know, get out of Florida and check it out somewhere else. Did yeah, you major? Did you major in theater? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Florida so Atlantic theater degree. University. Yeah. yeah, a lot of cool stuff. A lot of Shakespeare. A lot of comedy. Yeah. Never did stand up though. Yeah, you never did until you came out here. So you Didn't came here about acting. You came out here to be an actor, right? I actually was like something about being an actor wasn't really fulfilling me, and it still doesn't. And I wanted to write. Ah. And then when I got out here, I missed the performing and stand up seemed to be the perfect way to fuse the writing with the performing for me. When did so you start doing that? I got stand up when I was like 29, 30. So like right here. when you got here or like after a couple of years of just kind of. A couple of years. Out? Yeah. A couple of years came out here, got a job in education. I was in Monterey park. I was teaching Asian adults how to speak English. I mean, I have jokes about it, you know, and it was <laughs> yeah. a really cool job. It was cool. It was cool students, cool job. And uh, I, I miss performing though. And then I got into stand up through an ad in Ellie Weekly for a class. Oh, for a stand up class. Was it, did you uh-huh. have a, a teacher? Who was your first teacher? He was great. He still is great. Greg Dean. Greg Dean. Okay. You heard so him? I haven't, but um, I probably should have. The, what, yeah. what, um, what was his te- teaching technique? Like, 
you know, because stand up well, is such he, an ephemeral thing, like such a mystery. Like what, what did he teach? He took a lot of the mystery out of it for me. Um, he teaches a lot of joke structure. He really taps into your writing. If you've got natural, sorry about my bangs, everybody. If you've got natural writing talent, he'll help develop that. Uh, if you don't have it so much, he'll, he'll get you to understand it. You know, the shattering assumptions, misleading, and then the punch, you know, setup punch. I mean, he's got a lot of uh, resources online, but he really helped develop my writing. But then beyond that, his overall thing was just like, you've got to deregulate. And this is just how you're funny. Looks cool. This is just how you're funny at a party. This is conversational. I mean, he never stopped getting you to try and you're in training to be yourself is one thing he would say, you know, he was not into personas. He was not into sort of like actory monologue stand up. He said, it's the same way you're funny with your friends. Oh, so it is the same way you didn't stand up at the mic and he said, Oh, you're just funny. Like you're at a party. No, he wanted you to be like that. He wanted, he wanted to be funny to like be you like are that. in real life. Yeah. Do you find he that? You, yeah. Do you find that being more yourself is is a better way to go as a comedian? Not be like a character, or not be because when I first saw you, and you're a hilarious comedian, and whenever I do that show, um, my friends who come to the show always say, "I love Sally. Sally's so great." Oh, um, always, it never you know people always and people remember your name, people remember your bits. Um, but I think when I first saw you, I thought that it was a um, character that you were playing you know it's an elevated part of yourself when i was first starting stand-up i was working for a stand-up magazine and uh i interviewed paula bell who's an amazing comedian and i said who are you on stage and she said something like it's me but it's who i want to be all the time and i kind of do feel like it's a little bit like a superhero version of yourself (laughs) right right or it's this outrageous version of yourself it's sort of like a public persona if it's anything but it's not it's not a prefabricated you know and and another thing oh one of my dogs is like coughing out there no worries i don't think i can is yeah you know fucking excuse my friend um (laughs) Excuse my French, I'm British. But another thing that he was uh, really, really big on was don't, you don't want to be doing your impression of a comedian. Um, A lot of people come into comedy and they're like, this is what stand up is supposed to be. And then it's Uh not also, you know, authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sometimes say I, I'm sort of a cartoonish version of myself. That's you know still I mean? you. I don't think you're a persona. I, I, I mean, I do think that you have an onstage persona performance vibe, yeah. but you're not getting up there with a character. You're right. yourself. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny too, movie. because, you know, going around in life, sometimes you, you, when you get to the point where you're going to go on stage, sometimes you're going around in life not feeling particularly funny, but you still have to go up there. okay that's another thing i totally believe in um mark lanow was my second teacher Uh so i studied with greg for a while and i wanted to study with greg forever like i was like i love him so much and we're still friends um and he's so proud of me honestly Mm -hmm. greg dean is very supportive of his students who work hard and stay in the game yeah um 
but he didn't really want to focus on advanced classes because he was so busy with new comics. Mm -hmm. And I didn't blame him, you know? So I went on and I went on to study with Mark Lanau, who was one of the co-owners of the improv and he was doing like a little managing of comics. Mm -hmm. So that is one thing Mark was really big about. Yeah. And he would always say, this has to be what you do. So mm -hmm. I don't care if you had a shitty day at your nine to five and you don't feel like being funny. It's yeah. not about that. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. It's about you do this all the time because you'll have some of your best sets when you're not feeling like being around people or entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about like, oh, I'm happy tonight. It's <laughs> right. not about being happy. <laughs> well, for you in particular, too, because you do a lot of hosting, that's like a different kind of energy than the regular comedian that goes up there just and does a set. It's so different. I mean, if you think about it in terms of like S&M, it's almost like the dominant of you because you do have to be like, we're hosting and we've got protocol and you got to put your own ego in check sometimes. Yeah. And it's about the comics having great sets because the shows I host, the comics brought the crowd. You yeah, know, I yeah. want them to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. it's a different vibe. You know, you've got to look different, I feel, and you have to have a different energy. It's very different. Yeah, I mean, I like just being able to get to do a set too. You can oh, dress yeah. down a little bit. You can be a little more vulnerable. You can go up to the mic a little bit more of a fuck up, a little bit weirder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun to fuse the, fuse the two as well, though. That's a real ownership. Well, you have a, certain, you have a real command of the audience as far as that, that, you know, at the comedy store because people are just coming in. There's all that stuff going on where they're seating people and people are buying, ordering drinks and stuff like that. And you're able to still entertain people in that kind of atmosphere where it's like the hardest part of the show. Really? Yeah. You know, it could be, it, it was like freaky at first. When you first start hosting, it can be kind of freaky because you're like, I've worked these jokes elsewhere. Why aren't they really? But right. after a while I sort of started to thrive on that energy it's a yeah. special kind of energy it's almost like i'll wait it's like i'll i'll just keep talking to you i'm just i'm i'm oblivious to the fact that you're not settled and we're still yeah. doing this and oh now you now you get it you know it's that kind of vibe sometimes yeah. um i like that it's kind of like when there's a car in front of you and you're chasing it you know like on the road and then all of a sudden like you, you you caught up to it a little bit like just yeah. a traffic vibe and it's then also there's a kind of energy like hey everybody we got a really great show go for you for you today everybody's you know we're you're gonna see some incredible things and you know like you're the yeah. like the carnival barker in a way as well yeah 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 you feel yeah they, there kind of is you're like i'm getting you all focused but there's a really as a good sense of uh you know, doing your job, like you work <laughs> yeah. as a host, you work. <laughs> now, do you yeah. do that generally when we're not in quarantine? Do you do that twice a week? Is that how often you do it or how often do you do it? Yeah. Wednesdays and Fridays at the comedy store. And I get a lot of local gigs for sure. Yeah. And usually local gigs I'm not hosting, mm -hmm. but I hosted an open mic for five weeks. And that was, I'm sorry, five weeks, dude, my bad years. That was at the Pig and Whistle. Oh, and yeah. That was a really cool open mic, yeah. yeah I've heard yeah. that. I don't think I've been uh -huh. over there. Uh, maybe I went there once, I think. But I, I've heard that that's a good open mic. Open mics, that is that, I mean, that's, that's even more challenging. That's, uh, now, is that a, um, 
Is that where you would work out your material at like an open mic like that or what? Yeah, what it absolutely was. You know, let me just go visit one of my dogs for a second. Okay. I'm sure you can promote Zankow Chicken for That's a second. That's right. I need to make sure. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. everybody. Uh, I want to take a moment to talk about Zanku Chicken. Um, some some people pronounce it Zankow. Like uh, Sally just pronounced it Zankow. We're not sure. I don't know. I don't know whether it's Zankow or Zanku, but I know that it is the best chicken. Zanku chicken is the best chicken. It's the best chicken in the whole wide world. And we're back. There I know she it's is. good. I yeah. know guys like it. Um, yeah, my open mic at the Pig and Whistle was fun. It was called Get Live Monday. And it was almost one of the last great bar mics because a lot of the mics now, I'm sure they're still great bar mics, but a lot of them now are slotted system yeah. and that you sign up online and the mic is like less than an hour long mm -hmm. and that's progress. And that's amazing because yeah. you can mic more in one night and it's also easy on your alcoholism. But the, <laughs> pig, and whistle, the pig and whistle was like bar room in the back and that was sort of where I'd been in comedy for almost 15 years. Yeah. And I started running this open mic and, you know, it's comics. So they're going to listen probably a little bit more to new material. And I would work, you know, I would work off the page there. I'd, I'd be reading and I'd worked mm -hmm. on it the last couple of days. I'd compiled throughout the week. And, and then, and I realized there, I was like, Oh, I am still very much in the game here. Mm -hmm. um, I have such a bizarre personal life that, you know, talk about farm to table, man. Like, uh, yeah. and it's interesting to these comics who are a lot younger than me. Like, I'm sort of like this freaky mom figure. And yeah. I was mentoring a lot and I was looking out for people as much as I could. And I was getting people in the show at the comedy store. Or I was saying, hey, if you don't have a following, here's shows you can do. So it sort of opened up like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of rediscovery and bookers at the time, like my um, road booker, Barry Neal and club bookers, they started saying, you're really growing. Like yeah. you were always a solid comic, but you're, you're, you're not resting on that you know, you're developing all the time. They noticed that. And I think running that open mic was a big part of staying in the game. Sometimes you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to uh, grow. That's yeah. Like, right. Um, did you, have you been going on the road? Mm. Not so much because yeah. when you hosted the comedy store, mm -hmm. I don't want to leave that. Yeah. And I can't get paid that much. I mean, maybe, you know, I get the special out on Amazon. Maybe when we go back to things, when we go back to big gatherings, yeah. there will be more financial opportunities Probably. for me on the road. But I would rather stay in Hollywood and make money to the packed crowds at the comedy store, like the ones yeah. that you play to, yeah. than go on the road because it's not always guaranteed to be a great crowd on the road for three hours of driving. Yeah. You know, and it's also a, a um, you know, I mean, the comedy store is like the center of the comedy universe, really. So why? The, the way they've got the comedy store right now, I mean, it's where it's at. It's crowded. Yeah. It's packed. It's stupid. It'd be stupid to leave there and yeah. go to some like podunk place. Mm -hmm. Do you play the improv too? No. 
<laughs> I haven't in a long time. Oh, yeah. well, I'll tell you when I do like to go to the improv is they have really cool mics on like Sunday night and Tuesday night. So I like to go to their mics yeah. and get little spots there. Yeah. And the, they're, they're good. Their mics are packed. Did you, yeah. uh, uh, did you know Mitzi Shore at the comedy store? I barely knew Mitzi. You know, by the time I got involved at the comedy store, Mitzi was still dealing with, was she was dealing with a lot of health issues. Yeah. So yeah, I, I barely, I no like Who are life. your, who are the people that you came up with? In the comedy scene. Well, let me see. I know you're still like, still coming up. We're all oh, coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's a continuous like process. Somebody, like like Natasha Legero, she's done really well, you know, obviously. And uh, we used to mic together. Bobby Oliver, I've known ever since I first started comedy, and she already yeah. had like shit, like almost ten years over me when I started. So I looked up to her a lot, and we've known each other for so long. We work together constantly. So her, I mean, you, when, I, when I first got into comedy, Vargas yeah. was already killing it. Vargas you know? is hilarious. But yeah. a lot of people came through us. You know, yeah. they, they, I mean, they came through my store. I hosted the comedy store. Like I was probably one of the first people who hosted Jesselnik. Oh yeah. And uh, that yeah. was at a uh, bar, room five, or it was called Far Room Paula. five. Called, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. And he was, yeah. And he was really funny and nice and ton of friends and a chill guy. I mm. never had any kind of like stress or diva crap from him when I was hosting him. He was new to comedy and he was funny and he yeah. was nice. Yeah. Where, um, where do you see yourself going now? Do you, do you ever think about teaching comedy? Uh, I don't want to just because there's so many people who do it and they're amazing. Like when I needed to punch up, you know, I did the special. I did it in December yeah. and then I did it again in January. Why and did you redo it again? Why did you oh, redo it? so adorable. I wasn't happy with it. You weren't? I needed help. Yeah, I wasn't. I was happy with you being there, but I, I it was a lot. It was so much new material. That was what's so great that. about that. So great about that. Because we see you as a host and we see you doing, you know, various bits and working different bits and, you know, but we never see the whole picture. And that's the great thing about this show is that you take us on a journey and it's, and all of your comedy fits together into a complete show, much more than just little one-offs. So I, I, I invite everybody to check this out because you will, you will really enjoy it. It's very funny. It's funny all the way through. And, uh, um, you know, Sally's great. So, um, so tell me, what, yeah, you, so you weren't happy with it the first time. And are you, were you happy with it the second time? I mean, are you ever happy? Yeah. You, were like, you know I, I mean? No, happy. I'm just saying, as a comedian, happy. it's hard to be happy, right? It's, yeah, hard, yeah. it's been hard to be happy. <laughs> That's funny. You're like, well, you are a comic. No, I'm, um, <laughs> you are a comedian. The first time, it was weird because I had done uh, a show exactly a year ago on May 4th. Uh, 2019 called down the glory hall and uh -huh. that was a dow comedy studio yeah. and that was uh it was like an hour-long show and it was the first time i addressed certain subject matter like yeah. i was talking about porn yeah i was talking about uh you know my lifestyle yep. and it was the first time i brought all that out and yeah. i had no idea how that would go and it was very well received and you know dow comedy studio it's a very woke space it's a feminist space yeah. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do it with a bigger crowd because Dow seats about 40 ish mm -hmm. and uh, taking it to the arena stage was a hundred over a hundred people. Yeah. So then I said, yeah, I'm going to do sleazy does it. And yeah. I did that in December and 
I, I did rehearse, but it's very, it's hard because at the comedy store, I don't talk about the adult, you know, no. my adult lifestyle that much. Right. Like mm -hmm. you said, I'm entertaining. It's the top of the show. It's yeah. like, here are the jokes, have your drinks. Mm -hmm. So it was hard to get chance to practice that enough. And it wasn't fluid enough. But then when we redid it, David Conley, my producer, we redid it on January 25th, six weeks later, it was tight, you know, yeah. it was much tighter anyway. Yeah. Well, do you, um, so, you know, I mean, that's probably just part of the process, really. It's, you know, you, it is. most comedians, when they do a, a comedy show, an hour comedy show, they tour it around the country or they take it around, you know what I mean? They do it over and over and over and over again. So just doing it twice is, you know, yeah, that's, what the that's a high bar. Said. And like the other thing is, yeah, it's like that, like as a non-famous comedian, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm only like famous in the Valley, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to just get long sets. I yeah. mean, you can't just be like, hey, I need to practice 30 minutes of right. material. <laughs> right. So that's so, the other thing. So I, that's the other thing. I think well, people will find this super interesting because she talks about her lifestyle in the porn industry and some places that maybe you haven't seen a comedian do this before and you have such a like a girl next door or somebody's mom sort of um, persona that when you start talking about that stuff we're like what and like and then we were kind of like well I thought she was joking and then at the end of the show you're like hand out like some you know some, some I don't porn. know if it's in the show but you hand out some porn and then there you're in it and you're like wait a minute I, I didn't I thought this was like a character you were playing so it's really gutsy and it's really um and it's really interesting as an audience member. It's completely fascinating. So I, I applaud you for doing this show because it's what comedy is all about. You know, it's about taking that, you know, really like taking you and putting it on stage. And you just happen to be somebody that has a really interesting lifestyle that most of us don't have, or at least most of us not. <laughs> most, most, wouldn't, most wouldn't want, most wouldn't want, you know? Um, yeah, that's that, cool. it's weird. Like, even on an adult set, a porn yeah. set, yeah. sometimes the porn directors don't really accept that I actually do porn. They're like, are you a comedian that's I bet. kind of doing this for a I joke? Bet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I'm and like, then, I need to get paid. Then when you talk about it in the comedy set, you talk about actual onset kind of experiences and it was fascinating. Obviously it's fascinating <laughs> to all of us. And it's funny too, because a porn set can be, you know, just like any shooting any other movie or spending any other day, except, you know, there's like logistics and weird things that you have to deal with. And uh, it's just, it really is a riot. So I hope that, I hope that it's, it's promoted that, you know, in a way that people can go see it because it is completely unique to anything that I have seen uh, in comedy. I mean, I've seen strippers get up and talk. There's a lot of strippers yeah. in the comedy comedy world, and I think probably because it is a it is a kind of a an exposing kind of a performance. It's very exposing, mm -hmm. so people it's a kind of a natural segue for for strippers to do that. Um, but I don't know if I've seen anybody in the porn industry do stand up. Comedy. A lot of vulnerability crosses over. I will say, and there was an article about it in Hustler magazine a couple months ago as part of the article. But there are a lot of women in porn and comedy. There are about there are. 10 people and even a couple of men who do both. 
Yeah. Um, like Sylvia Sage. I mean, you know, Stormy Daniels has been doing it. Yeah. Um, there, there are quite a few women who do it. I feel I'm probably the only one with a comedy special, and that goes along with my age. Right. I'm one of the older chicks who's doing porn and comedy, period. Well, and you're doing, you know, you're a serious comedian that's been doing this for a long period of time. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's your profession. A career comedian. And like porn to comedian. me just pays the bills, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people like, uh, you know, you get a lot of uh, sort of backhanded compliments where people will say, I thought you were going to be just a porn star doing comedy, but you're actually yeah. a comedian, actually just a comedian. on the side. Right. And it is kind of a backhanded compliment because funny's funny. Who cares? Yeah, I know. Who exactly. Is, you know, funny's funny, but that is kind of what it is. I was a comedian yeah. first and then I got into the adult industry. Yes. That's what's so great about it. And that's why it's, it's so surprising because your jokes, you know, just land and you, you're obviously a pro at it. And then it, to have this involved in it too, is just, that's what I find too. I, I do a show with Cynthia, Cynthia Levine, where we yeah. uh, do, it's like we do a workshop and then we perform and a lot of the people in the workshop, and I've done it multiple times. A lot of people in the workshop have never done stand-up comedy before, but sometimes it's some of the best shows because these people are talking about their life and they've got such a rich background in their life because they've been doing something other than comedy. So like a doctor will get up and talk, or a, or a pilot will get up and talk about flying commercial jets or, a, you know, all kinds of different people get up and talk about their, and, that, and there's all this comedy in it. It's really interesting. I mean, I tell comedians all the time, like younger comedians, I'm like, you've got to live your life. You've yeah. got to date. You've got to get in relationships. You have to try new things. You have to travel as best you can. You know, your, your job, I mean, you're going to get material everywhere. You've got to live your life. Like comedy <laughs> takes a while and it's hard to get paid and you yeah. have to live your life. Well, that is also why for me, it kind of came late in life doing stand-up comedy because I thought about doing it and I've always been a fan of, you know, Steve Martin and people since I was a tiny kid, but I never kind of understood like, where does all this come from? And it comes from life experience. Uh, yeah. And so now that I'm at this age, I have all this life experience to draw from and trying to, you know, find, find the comedy in it. You're mining this life of yours. And it's a, uh, it's, it's a fun journey. And it's also sort of a, I, I mean, it's a spiritual journey too. You know what I mean? It's a journey to find yourself um, while you're trying to find the funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's your first couple of years of comedy can be really rough. I mean, like starting it when I was 30, it's almost like I got married to it. You know, it's almost like I met it and I, I got, and it really takes you over. And if you're good at it too, it can be very consuming, even if you're bad at it. I mean, <laughs> I respect people. Yeah, yeah, even if you're bad at it. Yeah. I respect people. I've seen some people be really unfunny yeah. and bomb for years and years, and then they then they figure it out. And, and suddenly uh, they, they find it. it. Yeah. I've yeah, they too. make it or they make a living in it, you know? I've seen people get up there, and I'm just like, oh, this is so painful. And then see them a couple months later and be like, sometimes they're doing the same material, too. And you're like, wow, this yeah. is actually really good. You well, know? that happens to you all the time when you first start out. You're like, yeah. I literally did the same set word for word last night. How the yeah. hell did it kill Why last night? Funny, yeah. Yeah. And of course, there's that too, where you where it kills and then you do it again and then it, it just dies. Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all so right. hard. It's so hard to get consistent. Yeah. It's so hard to achieve consistency. Well, thanks, yeah. Sally. Sally, I got to cut it short because this show's only like a half an hour long. Um, oh I do my wanna... gosh. I'm 
bad. No, 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 no. I, mean, I usually the interviews go a little longer. Um, but I do want to ask you one thing. Have you ever eaten Zanku chicken? Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, a couple of men have turned me on to it, yeah. Yeah, it's some good stuff, huh? It's the garlic, the garlic uh, paste, I think, that makes it so good. But Yeah, that's what they say. Chicken. They're always trying to figure it out, yeah. yeah, right. yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. And uh, I hope that everybody will go out and watch Sally's comedy special. It's called Sleazy Does It. It's on Amazon. Just go on there, type in Sleazy Does It. And I, I, I think we probably tipped your hand enough that people are going to be like, wow, this is super interesting. Share <laughs> it, everybody. <laughs> and, and, uh, and thank you so much for being just such a wonderful person and also for, um, for being there for me as a, as a comedian also and supporting me and and being in my shows and having me be in your shows which i really appreciate that i will be there for you again soon at the comedy store i will see right. you back there soon yeah we'll be back there all right that's the interview with uh sally mullins and uh i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did i mean that was really great stuff and uh so thank you sally for being on the show and thank you, everybody, for being in the chat room. I'm going to put this show in various places where comedians can see it, too, because I think it's somewhat informative. Uh, so that's it for Lunch Therapy. Next week, we're going to come back. We've got a story about getting in a fight on the Internet in the 80s. We've got more Alaska stories. I'm thinking about having a contest. If you have any suggestions for the show, uh, things that you want me to explore in the world of comedy as a comedian, um, please send me things to um, mythclubchannel at gmail.com. And thanks, Mary Marks, for being here. And, of course, Kamala Lopez. Yeah, watch her show. Watch Sally's show. Great Nooner, Joel and Sally. Thank you, Nogi, Eric Firkenstad got to check it out it'll be here all day and you know forever on the internet because nothing gets erased on the internet right as many of you know many of you know out there thank god we didn't have the internet when we were in college right well, i don't know how these kids do it anyway zanku chicken it's the best chicken i i don't know why i'm sponsoring it um I, i'm thinking next week we're going to investigate zanku chicken as well because it is a rich rich uh story of Zanku chicken many of you don't know even know what I'm talking about but it's a chicken place in in Los Angeles that a lot of us like I guess anyway thanks for joining us on lunch therapy have a great day uh, remember to breathe Self